In this multi-part message series about creation, we began last week with the creation of earth. And a challenge that I issued to you was to take some additional time this past week and marvel, marvel, right? To wonder and and be curious and, and want to know more about what God has done and to thank him for it. And I hope that wasn't just an exercise that was new to you, and I, and I certainly hope that it was one that you will continue. In fact, Sherry was asking me this morning, you know, what are, what are you talking about again today? And I told her, and, and she said, well, I did my homework last week, and she showed me some beautiful pictures of some flowers that Abby had sent her and, and a sunrise and, and all that. And um, so she listens. Uh, <laughs> but how did you guys do with that? I mean, we, we, have, we are fortunate. We are not a, a church that looks like a shopping center in the middle of the city. I mean, and God bless that too, right? I mean, God is everywhere. But how wonderful of a reminder it is about creation that on any given Sunday, you can look out a window and see some creature, you know, walking by. And all the beautiful flowers that that God has created and you guys have planted and, and care for. It's a beautiful surrounding and a great reminder of creation. Well, this week we're going to talk about the creation of mankind. And let's begin the story with what contains this week's scripture. Remember that Jack read earlier. It's from Genesis 1, 26-31. Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And so it was. God saw all that he had made and it was very good. And there was evening and then there was morning the sixth day. Now there are a few things I'd like to point out. First, God declared that his creation of man was good. And, and if you read the scripture off the Genesis, it wasn't at the end of the sixth day he said it's all good. But at the end of each day he said, I saw, he saw it and he declared it was good. So he specifically was talking about his creation of mankind when he said he saw all that he had made and it was very good. He was pleased with what he had done. And this means that you started from a place of favor with God. We, of course, know that God loves us more and in a deeper way than, than we can understand. But did you realize his pleasure with you goes back to the beginning of time itself? And it continues for an eternity. Second, you may have caught that God started by saying, let us make mankind in our image. And he goes on to say, in our likeness. Now this expression, our, our image, our likeness, has led to some speculation of its meaning. Is, and it's possible that it means the Holy Trinity. And we know that to be God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Let us make man in our image, the Trinity. Or is God the Father, the King of Heaven, addressing his heavenly court? We know he's, you know, we have a, uh, an audience of angels up there, you know, 
and those have gone before us, but, but he's up there and maybe he's saying to them, he goes, let's make man in our image. Either way, you were divinely created, divinely inspired. And we don't know for sure, but the result is that God created you purposefully and with, is pleased with what he has created. And I want to jump ahead of Genesis 2 and verse 18. The Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. We know this, right? God made man and then he made woman. And this reminds me of a story. One day Eve was walking in the garden with the Lord. And she said, Lord, the garden is wonderful and the animals and birds provide such joy, but I am still lonely sometimes. No problem, the Lord replied. I will make you a man for a companion. He will desire to please you and be with you, but I have to warn you, he won't be perfect. He'll have a difficult time understanding your feelings. He'll tend to think of himself only, and he'll stay out late with his buddies watching football and bowling. And Eve said, what's bowling? What's football? And he says, oh, never mind. I'm getting ahead of myself. This is a joke, by the way. This is not scriptural. You guys are looking at me way too serious. She says, that's okay. I think I can handle this guy, this man. He goes, great, I'll get right to it. And God said, and then he started grabbing some dirt and molding it. And he started thinking, he says, you know what? There's one other thing about man I think you need to be aware of. She said, what's that? He goes, I'm going to have to tell him that he came first. <laughs> Total joke. Let's try that again. Genesis 2, verses 18 through 20. The Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all livestock, birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. But here's where it gets interesting. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. The helper, did you catch that? What do you think about that term that describes the purpose of creation of a woman? Helper? I may not sit right, but before you get upset with me or, or, or elbow your spouse, I'm watching you guys. John 14 uses that same word. And in some translation, it uses the word helper when Jesus promises that upon his leaving, he will ask his father to send a helper, another helper. We know this to be the Holy Spirit. A helper is not a subordinate. It's a companion. A helper is a comforter. In fact, many translations of the Bible read it this way. It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a comforter for him. Or perhaps you caught the word submit. Perhaps you thought of that word, but um, scripture does read, wives, submit your husbands. And let me promise you that there is a context to be considered here. And next week we'll go into that. But as we talk about the other things that God created, we'll dig a little deeper into that verse. But God created man and woman to complement each other. Complement with the E, complete each other. You're different, but you work together well. And, and that's the whole purpose of a marriage is to bring that together into one. But the purpose for the creation of man and woman is, is a million dollar question. Right? Everybody wants to know, why are we here? And I don't think it was by accident that God took man and placed him in the most beautiful and sacred part of the newly world he created. You know, as Genesis 12 or 2.15 describes, it says to work and to take care of it. Now, for those of you who enjoy gardening and outdoors, this may speak directly to you. That sounds like heaven. This lush, beautiful place to walk around and take care of, that sounds awesome. For those who don't particularly enjoy that and may even consider that work, you need to understand the perspective of the responsibility that was given to man by God. And we've all had something new that we're very proud of. 
and we want to preserve and protect it. And, and we aren't very quick to let someone borrow our new car or our classic, you know, whatever it may be. We aren't, and, and maybe you were like me, really hesitant to let people touch your newborn. I was paranoid. People were passing my little girl around and like, don't climb stairs holding her. She goes in the box and we carry her like this. But I hope you understand the analogy. You know, when you have something that you are so excited about and, and is so amazing, and, and I'll say pride because this is, we're talking from God's standpoint, so it's not, a, it's not a sin. God was proud of what he'd created. It was good. It was beautiful. But I'm going to take man, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it to him to take care of for me, to enjoy. But another clue of why we were created is found, um, was revealed in this morning's scripture, remember, and we are made in his image. An image, whether it's a, a photograph or a statue, the purpose of an image is to display the original, right? If you wanna remember that moment and whatever it was, you know, like with that picture we sent Gene, it's not us, it's an image of us. You know, it's, it's displaying us. Right now, there are approximately 7.8 billion images of God in the world. Isaiah 6.3 declares, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. You may only be one of the 7.8 million, but how are you reflecting God's image that he created you to be? But unfortunately, there's a disparity between what God created and what we are. You likely know the story of the original sin found in Genesis. The Lord commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. And what happened? The first man and woman rebelled. They disobeyed. They became envious of his knowledge and power, God's knowledge and power. They may have been the first, but they certainly weren't the last to sin. And we don't have to read very far in the Bible to, to find that all of mankind is capable of falling. And, and we only get to Genesis 6 when we find the story of Noah. I'll read a part of that. It says, The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth, and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. The Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth, and his heart was deeply troubled. So the Lord said, I will wipe from the face of the earth the human race I have created, and with them the animals, the birds, and the creatures that move along the ground, for I regret that I had made them. It's powerful words. Now it's likely that we all have started a project and look at it with frustration and disappointment and wish that we hadn't started it at all. Or had made, we got a couple projects I know. <laughs> or had made some different choices along the way, Right? look back and we go, ah, oh, but this isn't God saying, I, I wish he hadn't painted the, the wall powder blue. I mean, this is a big deal. He's saying, I regret ever having created man and woman. I'm going to destroy it all. But the eighth verse of the chapter gives hope and tells us that Noah found favor in the eyes of God. The Bible doesn't specifically say what Noah had done, but we can assume that he was a good reflector of God's holy image. And we know the rest of the story, but here's a message of hope. Listen to these words again from Genesis 8. Then God said to Noah, come out of the ark. This is after all this is done. You and your wife and your sons and your their wives, bring out every kind of living creature that is with you, the birds, the animals, and all the creatures that move along the ground so they can multiply on the earth and be fruitful and increase in number. Multiply on the earth and be fruitful and increase in number on it. 
Those were God's own words. And they were the same words spoken when he created the man the first time. See, we got a do-over. We got a second chance. God was so happy with what he'd created, including us. He didn't want to destroy it and start over something different. He wanted to reset the thing and start again. A second chance. And Noah thanked God for his salvation and offered a sacrifice. And scripture tells us, the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma and said in his heart, never again will I curse the ground because of humans, even though every inclination of the human heart is evil from childhood. And never again will I destroy all living creatures as I have done. As long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will never cease. God made a covenant promise. And this sealed the deal on our second chance. And it was made possible because Noah gave thanks and credit where it was due. Now, last week I shared an insight that even those that believe the earth evolved or chose different theories on creation than, than what we know to be true, even the most learned scientist admits that everything still started from something. And we know that God and only God can create something from nothing. So this reminds me of another story. Thank you. <laughs> a couple scientists sat down with God and they said, we've done it. We've taken all the knowledge you give us and we can now clone things and make things. We can create a human being. And God said, okay, let's see. Let's see what you can do. And they got down there and they got a handful of dirt just like God did. And he says, God says, nope, nope, nope. Go get your own dirt. <laughs> God created everything everything, even the things that we discover, even the things that we create on our own came from something that God created. God is the father of all creation. I digress. Noah's favor and act of giving credit resulted in a new creation for him and for all of us to enjoy. But this wasn't the last time that humanity had a history of wickedness and sinfulness, was it? But God promised to never again destroy our creation or mankind. So how does a God that never lies or break a covenant promise, you know, keep this promise. How does he face the ongoing wickedness and this, this break in relationship between he and us when he can't break his promise of never again destroying things or taking lives like that? Well, simple. He sent Christ Jesus to save us. And that makes you a new creation 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. It's better than a second chance. It's a new creation. So it turns out that we needed more than two chances, right? God's given us way more than two chances. A couple of them even before we were born. Can you relate to needing more than that? What this new creation means is that you have... And you can have a relationship with God that, that hasn't been possible since Adam and Eve walked in the garden with him. You can have that type of close personal relationship despite the wickedness of your heart and your thoughts. And I know that's a hard word, but God says sin is wicked, right? He says, I can have that relationship with you now. And this also means you have a future. You have a hope. And how this new creation affects your purpose, because God created man with a purpose. How that new creation affects your purpose is like this. It hasn't changed a bit. You were created for the purpose and work that he created you for. You were still called to care for his creation. And that doesn't just mean earth, but also means every creature and human that dwells upon it. Your purpose remains. You'll always 
need to reflect his image of love, compassion, and grace. That has not changed. Now, he has a specific purpose for you in what you're going to do throughout your life. He's given you certain gifts and talents and abilities and opportunities, and he's lining these steps up for you to take. But for everybody, you are created to reflect his image. That's why he gave you that. So what has changed is your perspective. There's no longer a place, a reason to say, that's all there is. Woe is me. This life is it, you know. Better live it up. Because after this, it's gone. Can't take it with you, right? You've heard these things. Not true at all. And, and, and when people smile and say that, there's no hope. There's no real hope in that. There's no real hope in that. There is a responsibility that reveals that we cannot do whatever we want without fear of consequences. And it is now a period of time, however long we're on earth, to learn as much as we can and do as much as we can to prepare for an eternity in heaven. Right? So how will you respond? No, this is something, and I don't, I don't know what your thoughts are on this, but I, I was going to bring them. I actually had them sitting out, and they probably got put away because you had no idea where they're out. But I had these participation medals from some 5Ks, right? I didn't win, in case you were wondering, but I got a participation medal. I also got a bottle of water and a free T-shirt, which honestly was what I was excited about. But I love my T-shirts. But, you know, we, we're in a culture where there's a lot of participation awards. And, and some people are like, that means nothing. You know, you just showed up, yay. Or yay, you paid your $39 to run the 5K, you got your t-shirt and your medal. But what did you get out of it? But here's what's really neat about life. There is an award for participation. It's called heaven. There is a real value in participating in life. Okay. What do you call the student that finishes last in his class at medical school? What is his title? Doctor. Doctor. What do you call the person that gives his life to Christ regardless of when his life, he did it? Christian. Saved. Saved. Now, is there a benefit in doing it sooner rather than later? Yes, because you get the benefits that God has intended for you all this time. But Christianity is giving your life to Christ. And two parts of giving life to Christ is simple. It's, there's confession. I've sinned. I'm sorry. And acceptance of the forgiveness. And sometimes that first part's really hard, but more often than not, it's that second part. But if God can forgive you, can you forgive yourself? If God can forgive you or another person, can you forgive them? This is where the journey of salvation begins. Not all roads lead to heaven, but all roads that lead to heaven start here with these two steps. And have you taken those? If not, I'd like to hear from you. Let's talk about what we need to do to take those steps. If you're on those paths and you're a little frustrated, discouraged, you're not seeing things happen the way you want to, I may not have an answer, but let's pray together. Let's do that. God has created a marvelous creation and none the least of which is you. And he loves you. And he cares about you. And he wants an eternity with you. And he will give you a second and a third and a fourth chance. All you have to do is ask. Let's pray. God of all creation, who divinely and marvelously created all things, 
It is an honor to be a part of that. We thank you so much for all you've done for us. We thank you for the second chance you showed Noah, the additional chance you showed us all through your son on the cross. Lord, let us not ever miss an opportunity to appreciate all that's been done by you for us. And we, as your children who were created in your image, let us always strive to reflect that image positively. Not only just in what it means to be a Christian, but what it means to be your child. Father God, in this room, there are many joys and many concerns. There are many stories that came to this point and we're going several different directions from here. But Lord, let all of our paths lead to salvation. It's not about hooray for today or woe for tomorrow, but it's about what can I do in this moment to prepare for what comes next. And that is the faith and the hope that we have. God, as always, I just want to continue to pray for this congregation, all that gather here, all that couldn't make it this morning, and all who listen online. May we continue to be blessed by your word. Father, place upon our heart what we need to do with what we've heard this morning. May we be changed for having done so. God, we give this entire service and our lives to you. Amen.